Welcome back, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Socks. I am Nate. We're here with Jimbo, and we did what we promised you. We're having a two-parter on the trade deadline here, and this is part two. So we are recording this on a Friday. Part one came out Friday. We are recording it Friday. Um, but you will not be listening to this until Monday or Tuesday. A little back-to-back. Love it. A little back-to-back. No big deal. Jimbo and I are really leveling up as podcasters, going from once a week to randomly two times a week like professionals. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Mainly what we have on the docket today is going to be the Reds, Luis Castillo trade, and then talking about a lot of their prospects. Um, And then that's the last major trade that we really didn't cover. I don't I don't think there's any too many other really big ones that we have to cover. We covered Josh Hader, we covered Juan Soto. Um we even covered little ones like Brandon Drury and then Luis Castillo. Oh, I guess there was Frankie Montas. We could cover that for a little bit if anybody wants anybody wants that. But the pitchers that the Yankees sent over, Ken Waldachuk and um Luis Medina. And you know, they're not really moving the needle. What? They'll be traded in three years anyways by the A's, just like yeah, their classic recycling. It's not really moving the needle for anybody in the card market probably, which is why I'm not trying to spend too much time on it. So I guess this is where we will cover the Frankie Montas trade. I personally love Frankie Montas. <clears throat> I've been on it, in on him on for years, ever since he started pitching his sli- or splitter. And uh, I bought super cheap cards. I'm talking... 2013 Bowman Chrome Golds for a dollar out of 50. Jeez. Like like that cheap, yeah. And um, and then he got popped for PEDs, and my beautiful investment went down the drain. Uh, it still worked out in the end. Made some money off of it, but not as much as I thought I was going to make that first year. But Frankie Montas is a stud. He's a really good pitcher. He might be injured right now. And uh, I think he could really open up some eyes for the A's as for their return. Of Ken Wallachuk, Luis Medina, and a couple other guys. I don't, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Pitchers are, nah. I mean, I like. Don't get me wrong. I like pitchers, but I uh, not to the A's. not not to the A's. Uh, most of their guys get injured constantly. You remember Blake Parker? Is it Blake? Blake. Was it Blake Parker? Was it Blake? Who's the Parker no. kid? Jared Parker? Yeah, Jared Parker. Yeah. Jared Parker, always injured. AJ Puck, always injured. Um, They've been bad for years at keeping their pitchers healthy. That's true. <clears throat> so, without further ado, Jimbo, this was the second part of the podcast that I want to start with outside of the Reds and the Luis Castillo trade. I want you to talk to us about Alavila and the Tigers because I was on the fire Alavila train and you were on the I like Alavila, he's a nice guy train. And you just told me yesterday that you are on the the Alavila probably shouldn't have a job as a GM in professional baseball train. So guide us to how you got there. So, I mean, honestly, so I actually was with the Tigers when I was there uh, as the assistant GM. So definitely there was probably some bias opinion there because when when I was there Al would be the one to be 
finding the JD Martinez. I feel like every year he would find someone out of nowhere that contributed to the Tigers when, you know, they were actually good making the playoff runs and all that good stuff. So I was all for it. Like, and, you know, obviously I, I haven't been there since Dave has been gone. And now Al is in charge since, uh, I forget what year he's been there. Now he's been the GM for, I think like seven years or so. Um, and it seems like it hasn't been that long, but it has been. Um, but man, some of the moves, like if you just, it, it's hard, like after a while and don't get me wrong, Al, amazing baseball mind, like, holy smokes. Like if you sit in a room with them, obviously he knows baseball. And a lot of times the GM, what they do is they're not necessarily in the weeds of everything. Um, just like anything, they're like the CEO of the company, um, to build the company. So really, you know, they're the ones out there hiring the assistants, all that good stuff. So it might not, necess- might not necessarily be Al's fault, but at the end of the day, he's in charge of the people, you know, to, to get you to where you need to be. And I mean, if you look back from when he started to now, I mean, they're, the Tigers are just as bad, you know, I mean, you know, granted he did come in with a absolutely, you know, horrible pipeline, you know, Dave, Dave, Nebraska's, you know, known for trading away every prospect. Notorious for, for not holding on to prospects at all. He did the same yeah. with the Red Sox. Yeah. And that's just what he does. Like that's that's his like that's just what he does. I was shocked that they that they even kept Cassianos, to be honest with you, uh back in the day. Um but anyways, that you know, that's that's where we're at. And in you know, the the farm system is is better now, but it's still not, you know, last year you know, we had all these shortstops in the drafts, you know, we, you know, we talked about him at nausea and he didn't, he didn't go with any of them. He went with Jackson Joe. So, but who knows, you know, he might not, he might be the next guy, next Verlander, all that good stuff. But, you know, as a Tigers fan, we haven't developed a shortstop, a legitimate shortstop that could be a franchise shortstop since like Alan Trammell. And that was like a long time. Like if you really look back, and if you look back throughout all the years and you're like, you had, there was so much shorts, so many great shortstops in the draft last year. And I'm not just saying like, that was the, the bat, you know, what he did was he, he, he saw there's a lot of depth with the draft last year. And, um, you know, I think he was just playing that game, uh, playing, you know, get someone under slot. We'll sign, you know, he did sign some high potential guys later on, but at the end of the day, it was like, come on, like, I don't know. I feel like it was you. You had that's just one part of it. Um, but basically, you, we get to the point, you know, where you're trading, pro, like trading, you know, the, the the assets that we had. We had a JD Martinez, who you know we saw what he did with the Red Sox, but he was just as good with the Tigers, hitting machine. Got absolutely nothing for him from the Diamondbacks. I'm talking nothing, and not even like not even now. Like those players aren't with the Tigers. But I'm talking back then. Even it was like who who did we get? for a probably for the best bat in free agency. And, you know, you just look back in Verlander, you know, we got a, we got basically nothing for him. We got a Daz Cameron who we let sit in, in the minors who comes up once in a while, you know, you got a, um, uh, the Rogers, Rogers kid, good, good, uh, behind the, you know, gold glove caliber, um, catcher, but literally cannot hit. Like he's that Jake Rogers. Yeah. Jake Rogers. He cannot hit. Like this guy, 
awesome at, uh, you know, managing a, uh, a rotation, all that, calling the game, all that good stuff. But he cannot hit. Um, which, you know, you take a risk on a guy like that, see if you can get him to hit. And then uh, who was it? Franklin Perez, which arm trouble with the pitcher. It is what it is. You can't foresee that. He could easily have been non-injured and great. But, but at the end of the day, there's like – you can only be like, oh – you know, it is what it is for so many trades. And you, if you go back to a Shane Green, a Nick Cassianos, um, like it just goes on and on. It's like, man, we got to get something for someone. And then this year, looking at our looking at our lineup, you know, I, I was optimistic going into the season because that's – I just – I'm a Tigers fan. I have to be optimistic because I'm going to watch every game. It is what it is. Um, but the Baez signing, ah, like that's a lot of money. Uh, Especially you draft like you go out and get him when you don't draft a shortstop that you know I don't know so you have something like that and then and then when it comes down to the trade deadline of Michael Fulmer you get absolutely nothing for him and I'm not saying you know I I heard a lot of rumblings that there just wasn't a big market for relief pitchers this year which you know it, it probably is true but at the end of the day it also comes down to relationships like you see a lot of teams trade with a lot of the same same organizations like a lot of teams trade with the same teams and -hmm. that's because they built that organization like for instance if i had a a car like if i had a good card for a good deal like i'm calling you nate but hey nate i got a card i'll give it to you i'm just trying to move it you know 70 percent comps going to you first and before i put it on ebay let's say and that's those connections and i i don't know and maybe al just doesn't have those anymore or whatever happened but it's just crazy i don't know i just it's it's mind-blowing to me um you know you at the end of the day as a fan it's like where's the line like where do you draw the line we have owners that are not afraid to spend money illich you know the illich family's never been scared to to spend money but it hasn't made sense in multiple years and you know we were supposed to this was supposed to be the year like okay now we can finally start spending some money with some prospects coming up now there were a lot of injuries uh, you know, within the within the starting rotation, but everyone in the lineup has underachieved. Every single one of them. Jonathan Scope, like Robbie Gross, like you name it, like everyone has. Bias. So it comes down to at the end of the day, what are we doing? And I'm bringing this up because this can be translated into a lot of other teams. And that's why I don't know. That's why there's certain teams where if you see a prospect in their in their farm system, you're like, well, they like the Cardinals, the, you know, certain teams were like, Oh, if they, if they got this guy down in the minor leagues, they're probably going to develop them well because they have built the whole structure for that. And there's some teams where I just, it's hard to buy a prospect where they're, when they're in a certain farm system where you're just like, man, what are they doing? It's probably not going to turn out well. So there's my little rant. I know I probably went a million different ways, but. Um, you did, but I, I think you bring up a good point because, like, you're talking about, hey, we got nothing. We got absolutely nothing for the guys we had. Nothing for Justin Verlander. Nothing for <clears throat> name a name a player who's been traded, and you don't have a quality major leaguer on the roster for that guy that got traded away. And so <clears throat> I was going to bring up the Brewers, but I won't. I won't. Instead, I'm going to bring up the Rays. You go to the 2022 Rays roster, and you click on the first 
five guys. Five guys. Um, and you've got you've got the first five guys are pitchers. It's Brooks Raleigh, Peter Fairbanks, Sean Armstrong, Colin uh, Colin Pouch, I guess maybe, and Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber obviously signed as a free agent. Uh, not a big deal. Um, Sean Armstrong has not been amazing, but he was acquired in a deal. Uh, or he signed as a free agent May 10th, 2022. So two free agents there. What about the other three guys? You look at it, and you've got Brooks Raleigh, currently worth half a win above replacement on the year, uh, 2.62 ERA, and he was acquired <coughs> as a free agent November 21st. So that's, that's another guy that was kind of like not a, really a big name, Signed and doing well. Um, you have uh, Colin pa- Colin Pouch or Poach or Poachy acquired from the Diamondbacks to the Rays in uh, May first, twenty eighteen. Drafted as the fourteenth round pick by the Diamondbacks, and then Peter Fairbanks also doing pretty well. Traded by the Rays from the Rangers to the Rays for Nick Solak. Nick Solak was a guy that they couldn't uh, they couldn't um have a spot for last year he had a 359 ERA in 42 innings this year a 45 ERA not great um but it's like they're getting they're getting contributions across the board from minor trades and it's not just it's not just these relievers Drew Rasmussen right <coughs> traded for from the Brewers and putting up big innings Jalen Beeks from the Red Sox um Randy Rosarina from the Cardinals. Uh, guys like G-Man, G-Man Choi, right? G-Man Choi was a guy that put up decent numbers for the Brewers, and then we had too many first basemen, so we let him go. Well, he has a 127 OPS plus this year, and he was essentially just a free bat that the, uh, that the Rays picked up, and he's gone. As a Ray, he had a 141 OPS plus, a 120, a 108, a 114, a 127. That's freely available talent that they just picked up in minor in minor trades and figure out what to do with. And the good teams, not only do they draft well, not only do they draft the Shane McClanahan's, um, guys like that, but they also get players around the edges to do to to take innings, to take at bats and perform. And you look at a guy like G Manchoy, guys like that, and the Rays have a fifty percent chance at making the uh, playoffs this year, and usually it probably hovers around that. <clears throat> and you watch what they do, and you watch the type of talent they bring in and make something of, and then you watch what the Tigers do. And for like a year and a half, their biggest claim to fame was we drafted a Badu in the Rule Five draft. Like if that's what you have to write home about, we got a Badu for free. Like, yeah, nice pick. He hasn't done anything this year. He's been in the minors. Nice pick, whatever. <clears throat> but if that's what you have to write home about, it's just t- it's time to ch- make a change. Because, look, the Spencer Torkelson and the Riley Green picks are not that impressive. They're top five picks. Um, you know, Tarek Screwball is impressive. Matt, Manning's, Matt Manning and Casey Mize not impressive picks. Um, and so like the prospects that have done well and, and panned out 
were high first round picks that you are expecting to do well and pan out. Uh, after that, you need your Tark Scooballs. You need your Corbin Burns in the fourth round. You need your Brandon Woodruffs in the 11th round to be good picks to, to, you know, do something for you. And I don't feel like the Tigers are getting that mm. at all. And, and here's the thing too, like, and I bring up the, the, uh, protection in the lineup is such a huge factor. It's like these prospects too, when you get them called up, like you look at the Cardinals and in, in, in some of these teams that develop uh, a lot of prospects and they actually do well in the majors is because they put them in a situation where they don't have to ask too much from them. You get a guy like a torque and you're like, he gets called up this year and you're like, Hey, we're going to need you to produce. Like you're going to be one of our, uh, like we're one of our big offensive bats right off the rip which down the line should be the case, but not your rookie season. Like you want to be able to put, put a, a young player, you know, hitting seventh or eighth or ninth to get, you know, to get adjusted, but then also have a good lineup like surrounded around them. So they're not putting too much pressure on a Riley green. Cool. You call him up, you know, does great to start off, but then it's like, okay, we're going to put you in the you're hitting seventh. And then you, you're instantly scooting them down. Now you're having them hit lead off with no protection app like around him. And then now he's struggling because now he is the one that, that is pitched around. And mm -hmm. that is another huge factor because you know, it, it's a, it's like dominoes. It's like dominoes. You there's three, three ways. There's only like, there's three ways to develop just like a business. It, it like how to build a team it's acquiring through trades. It's drafting and it's free agents. There's three categories. And, you know, you could be really good at two and you know, be well off, just like a business. Like they always say, as long as you're good with two of them, two of the three, you're, you're going to do well. Um, and then some of the teams do really well with all three. But when you have zero, oh, my gosh, like it's, you know, and then you have teams like like the uh, like the Tigers where they're just in a skid for the last like they're in the same spot as they were, you know, six, seven years ago. And it's like, well, to be fair, you know, if your pitching hadn't been injured, you would be in a better spot. Dude, watch a game, man. It is bad. No, no, I know. I know. But it's it's like Casey Mize injured, Matt Manning injured, Tarek Skubal now dead arm on the DL. Um, if If you had healthy, talented pitching, and, you know, you, you buy into the defense a little bit, sign Javi Baez for the defense and that stuff. If you just filled out defensive roster with a little bit of pop, maybe, you know, maybe you'd be doing a little bit better with the young pitching. But I, I, I get you. It, I, I'm just trying to find a silver lining for you. Um, there, it, dude, it, it's not good. There's I not a lot to write home about. The lineup. The line. like, I, I was – I was watching uh, a game, the the game two nights ago, and you just look at the lineup. It's like, who are you afraid of? Like who, like who's going to generate the run? Like your your Miggy is our is hitting like you know close to three hundred. He's fifty something years old. Yeah, and he's, he's our best. Yeah, but like that that there's no there's uh it's like there's guys on the lineup that that are hitting in the four hole that wouldn't like that should be in triple A. Like they should and, be backups and, and triple. <laughs> Excuse me. That's the biggest problem I think you guys have is 
usually when you sign a free agent, um, unless you're the Rangers and sign multiple big name free agents to just kind of jumpstart your offense. Uh, if you are signing one big free agent like you guys did, Javi Baez, you're kind of hoping that it's the complementary finishing piece. Exactly. Not not the end-all, be-all. We need him to perform or else our offense is going to be absolutely atrocious. Yeah. It's brutal, man. It's tough. I mean, I'll still so, watch every game. It's tough. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen a few few tiger tigers games this year and it's not it's not exactly the funnest thing in the world um but i do think i do think that if the tigers were maybe just to lean in on hey let's just go acquire like the best defensive players we can at every position help our young pitching staff as best as possible and then luck into a few runs yeah and you know the silver lining is definitely there with, you know, a lot of the pitching was hurt, a lot of good arms, young arms uh, to go into next season. Absolutely. Like I'm going to actually be, I'll still be optimistic next year because of our, our arms technical, like in our bullpen is nice. Uh, but it's the fact where, okay, you have an expiring guy like a Fulmer or like whoever, like a Jonathan scope. Like you also have to bring in the guys where, okay, if it's not going well mid season that you can trade for something, for the yeah. following or something, you know, like you're, you got to get those Brandon Drury's to get uh, your Victor Acosta that, you know, take a chance on, but it's like, okay, we're going to lose Brandon Drury. Okay. Well, we're going to lose him at the end of the year. Anyways, he was a rental for a year. Like you have, there has to be something to go into that, but man. Well, the most, like, the most insane thing in the entire world was that the Tigers signed Jonathan Scope in t- in twenty nineteen. Um, right, December twenty first, twenty nineteen. Yep. So for the year twenty twenty, and then he was a free agent in in October twenty eighth, twenty twenty. In twenty twenty, obviously a weird year, but in twenty twenty he was hitting. Seven, he had a 799 OPS, 278, 324, 475 um, in the shortened 2020 season. You probably could have traded him away for something there and not re signed him to have a 755 OPS the next year and a 57 OPS this year. And even if so, you, you re sign him the next year, 2021. You can still trade him away at the deadline. He had 22 home runs last year, but instead, uh, for some reason, they decided this is a guy that we want to keep around for the future. And now he stinks, and now you have no opportunity to get anything for him when you could have gotten – these are the type of guys that the Tigers – like they signed the right guys. They signed the Jonathan Scopes to have a bounce-back season, and then they refused to move him. It's it's like what the uh, Rockies just did with Daniel Bard, 37-year-old closer – hot commodity for a trade chip, get another piece in for the future. No, let's sign him to an extension. Essentially, essentially what you guys turned into is the Rockies. Dude, don't say that. Come on. I'm That's just saying. <laughs> okay, that is too far. That's too far. <laughs> uh, it, but it's, it's, it's just like they go through the process of signing these guys and then – and then they uh, 
it doesn't work out. And not only that, but they've also absolutely botched the ability to trade like the Daniel Norris's when they have value, the Michael Fulmer's when they have value. It's 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 wait way too long, wait way too long. And I almost admire him for looking to trade Tarek Scooball this year until I think Tarek was like, I'm not getting traded. I have arm fatigue. I have to come out of this game. Literally. Um, because I almost admire him because they missed the boat on trading so many of these other guys that got in uh, when they had value, especially Fulmer, that um, that now it's now it's too little too late when they do trade those guys. And that, that that's why I brought up the relationship part where, you know, I Al always says, oh, like, you know, we we couldn't get enough back for what they think there's like what we think they're worth which is one thing. Great. Yeah. Don't undersell our guys. But then at the, then it goes, okay, the guys you do trade, you get absolutely nothing for. So it's like, what? So maybe like their evaluation on prospects isn't good, but then also then, and then it goes back to the time where it's like their trade when, when, you know, when they are a hot commodity and, and realize, okay, the bat, like just learn the value of players. And that's what that's really to me like there's so many factors to frustration for it because it's like man okay you say you know they're we couldn't get enough back for for what we think they're worth but then when you do trade our guys there we get absolutely nothing back so it's like there has to be there has to be somewhere they're they're missing the boat somewhere in so many different areas um and that that that's where it's frustrating uh, and i was going to bring something else up but i forgot what it was um which is bad. Good. Um, oh, you went mute. For people sitting at home, real quick, um, you're probably saying to yourself, Jonathan Scope, what can you get for him? Who cares if we trade him away? Robbie Grossman, what do we get for him? You know, I will remind you that the Brewers once traded Adam Lind away for Freddie Peralta when Freddie Peralta was an 18 year old. And now you can see what Freddie Peralta has done in the major leagues the last couple of years. Um, Cooper King. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just sometimes, obviously a lot of times these trades don't work out, but every once in a while you end up with a number two starter for Adam Lint. And, and that's where it goes down to your scouting. Like that's where another thing is like, maybe, there's so many layers to an organization like, you know, GM is obviously the first person you blame because it's, it's the only person you most people know of, but mm -hmm. there's scouting departments. There's, you know, your developmental staff. There's like, there's all this where the Rays are really good at finding that talent where they're like, Hey, let's go get the uh, Curtis Mead, not Cooper Kinney, Curtis Mead. Let's go get this Curtis Mead because the Phillies are undervaluing, but we see something here. It won't be a headliner, but hey, this kid, people will know about him in a year and a half or two years. So that's why I'm like, that's why I was always so hesitant. I'm like, hey, it's not all Al's fault. You know, there's there's levels that he, but at the end of the day, he relies on those people to do their job. Maybe there has and to be something. he puts them in place. Yeah, he's the one that puts the, the puzzle pieces together. So I don't know. It's, I wanted to, to bring that up because I know there's other people with that are fans of other teams that are probably the same boat and kind of just talk about the structure of, of why some teams just don't figure it out. Yeah. It's a, you know, 
it can be very frustrating for years and years and years as a Milwaukee Bucks fan. The Bucks' whole goal was to get the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Just make the playoffs. We were never good enough to get a good pick. We were never bad enough, or we were never good enough to like make it far in the playoffs. We were never bad enough to get a good pick. We were forever stuck in the eighth spot. And then lo and behold, there was a really weak draft class with a young kid named Giannis Antetokounmpo, who we drafted 15th that nobody knew anything about. And uh, sometimes all it takes is just a bit of luck. And this is coming from a Bucks fan who sat through years and years and years and years and years of mediocrity. Uh, and they won a championship. If the Bucs can win a championship, I know it's a different sport. Your favorite teams out there, whether you are an A's fan or a... Angels fan, and you just can't seem to put it together, your team can win a championship. Just takes a bit of luck. Yeah. Maybe not the Angels because they're cursed. But. Yeah. But anyways, let's talk about prospect. Let's talk about the Reds because they are in the same boat a year ago, and holy smokes, did they turn that ship around. At least now they have some promise. Um, well, liners. I would like to say that the Reds had promise last year. Um, they took a team that was actually quite good and blew them up. Um, but maybe, I'm, but maybe I'm they sorry. were like, but maybe they were like, "Hey, we're not going to win at all." Where you know these these players are at oh, top what, of their value. What they did, what they did was they said, uh, "We don't want to pay for any of these guys anymore," and their their president said, what are Reds fans going to do? They've got no one else to cheer for. They're going to cheer for us no matter what. That is true. They were, they were 83 and 79. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's not bad. That's like a little bit of development in-house. In you trade away Sonny Gray. You trade away Luis Castillo. You trade away Tyler Mall. You trade away... Um, Rossiel Iglesias, you trade within the last two years, you trade away Brandon Drury and um, the kid that they sent to the Braves. Um, <coughs> Winker, Suarez. Winker, Suarez, uh, Duvall. Duvall is where I was for the Braves. Um, they traded away Tucker Barnhart. Anything that was not nailed down was completely sent off and it's like there was a lot of good players in there and then you could have had like a hunter green be like the fifth starter and you know have that that interesting stuff you could have called up you know you could have signed the brandon drury and had him in your outfield as a fourth outfield bat and have a really good year but no they traded everything away they were a pretty good team 83 and 79 a couple different things bounced their way you could be a playoff team Especially with the extra with the extra wild card spot, and they said not too expensive. We're getting rid of it all. Yeah, that's Cincy sports for you. I lived in Cincinnati for a while. Went went to UC. That's what they do, man. That's what they do. So I just wanted to bring that up because I don't want I don't want anybody anybody uh, thinking that somehow the Cincinnati should be coming out of this looking good. They should not look good. 
They are a bunch of jack wagons that traded away all their good players so that they didn't have to compete. And now, uh, because Luis Castillo was amazing and because Brandon Jurury was good and because um, Tyler Mall, the Twins needed another pitcher, they got a lot of prospects back. But uh, it's not it it's not a good look. Like there is something to be said about trading when there's value. But there's also something to be said about being 83 and 79 and being a good team and then deciding to blow it all up. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But as for the trade, as for the Luis Castillo trade, um, it was Luis Castillo to the Mariners for Edwin Arroyo, Noel Vimarte, Andrew Moore, and Levi Stout. Um, of course, of course. Guys like Andrew Moore, <clears throat> he's got a 1.95 ERA in a ball this year, 32 innings, 58 strikeouts. So he's really interesting, but that's not the guy we're going to talk about. Even though, even though he's he's interesting, but he is 22 in a ball, but he is interesting. Um, and then the uh, the Stout guy, you know, we'll we'll Levi Stout. We'll talk about his stats real quick here. <clears throat> a 5-2-8 ERA in 87 innings with 82 strikeouts. This is the type of guy that's just probably around to take up some innings. He's nothing to write home about. The big gets, obviously, for Luis Castillo are Noel Marte and Edwin Arroyo. But as for as for Luis Castillo, real quick, if you're not if you're not up to date on his body of work in 2017, he had a 3.12 ERA in 89 innings, kind of a breakout for him, 98 strikeouts. And then in 169 innings in 2018, he had 165 strikeouts, a 4.3 ERA, kind of a definite letdown of a of a sophomore season. And then 26, he had 190 innings, 3.4 ERA, and 226 strikeouts. <clears throat> 2020. A 3.21 ERA in 70 innings with 89 strikeouts, so he's kind of hitting his groove. 2021, a 3.98 ERA in 187 innings with 192 strikeouts, so he kind of went backwards a little bit, both in amount of strikeouts and ERA. But then this year, age 29 season, he really found his groove. 2.86 ERA in 85 innings with 90 strikeouts. Um, he is really good. The strikeouts are definitely not as good as you'd expect from somebody that has that nastiest stuff and also had 11.4 strikeouts per nine in 2020 and 10.7 strikeouts per nine in 2019. Like you're expecting a little bit better, but he's at 9.6 this year. He's been trending a little bit in the wrong direction there, but he is really good. He is one of the best or was the best frontline quote unquote starter out there. He's not necessarily an ace in my book, but he is a good number two. And um, and when you're the only number two out there, that is why you cost a Noel V. Marte and an Edwin Arroyo plus other pieces. So having given, been given the backstory on these guys, let's talk about Noel V. Marte. Let's talk about Edwin Arroyo. And while we're talking about these guys, let's also talk about Ellie De La Cruz, Victor Acosta, and even Jose Barrio, formerly known as Jose Garcia, 
the former top 100 prospect. Um, Pre-2022, Jose Barrio was rated the number 33 prospect by Baseball America. Hey, hey Nate, can I bring up one thing about Luis Castillo? Yes. A guy like that playing at Great American Ballpark where the Reds play. Uh, Wherever, you know, that's such a hitter's park that wherever he goes, he – basically gets he's going to be better regardless just because he won't be pitching there as much if you know maybe here and there if they play him whatever it is so i looked up his splits uh away games he has a two you know a 238 era home games 364 yeah i i am i am very thankful that you brought that up um that was something that was on my mind and then as we got talking i completely forgot uh <clears throat> that's a huge factor that's a huge, huge. factor Playing in a small ballpark like that, you can grab a guy from the Reds and and say to yourself, yeah, this dude was this. I expect him to be significantly better because of this reason. And um, another thing is, is that he also played in Miller Park. He played in Wrigley Field. Um, let me pull up. Let me pull up his stats in these places. Honestly, he had a 690 OPS in Miller Park which is a lot better than I was expecting. Um, And in Bush Stadium, 643. So you can, like, see the difference, though. Cardinals, good team, but 643 OPS, bigger park. Brewers, 690. If you get the Cubs, Wrigley Field, 757 OPS. Now, obviously, they had Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo for a number of years, Javi Baez that they were facing. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, good offenses, but like that's a tiny park that he had to uh, pitch in. Getting him out of there, getting him out of having to pitch in Wrigley Field, getting him out of having to pitch in Great American and in Miller Park should do uh, big wonders. Yeah, like in, like that's that's another thing too. A lot of these, you know, the uh, the value in a lot of these players, they look into stuff like that. Um, little deeper so i wanted to bring that up but go ahead yep all right so let's talk about these prospects they got because all of a sudden when it was all said and done you looked up and the reds had every shortstop prospect in baseball bar none i'm pretty sure um don't don't fact check me on that but uh they already had ellie de la cruz right and ellie de la cruz the six five shortstop prospect that came out in 2022 bowman and he's hitting <clears throat> as a 20 year old 303 with a 360 on base and a 609 slugging in high A. Gets called up to double A and he's hitting 259 with a 298 on base and a 444 slugging, 743 OPS. Like first taste of double A, 743 OPS. That's nothing to sneeze or, you know, sneeze at. And he also had supposedly massive, massive air quotes here. He had a 512-foot home run the other day. I don't know if I believe it. Could be true. Could not be true. Might be wonky numbers. <coughs> Excuse me. But 512-foot home run. That's the prospect they had in system. They also had Jose Barrio in system. Um, now, this year has not been great for him. Last year in 2021, he had a 919 OPS across two levels including in AAA a, a 986 OPS along with 10 doubles and 13 
home runs. This year has not been kind to him. Uh, in the majors, he's only had one game. In the minors in AAA, he's hitting 209 with a 262 on base and a 377 slugging. Sometimes that's just a guy who wants to be in the majors and doesn't feel like he should be in the minors, not really performing. Um, so he could still have you know something in the tank for when he gets called up to the majors. But they have those two guys, and then they add to them Noel V. Marte, the 18th ranked prospect by Baseball America before 2022, the 11th ranked prospect by MLB, the 15th ranked prospect by Baseball Prospectus. <coughs> they add Noel V. Marte, who is in high A this year as a 20 year old hitting 275 with a 363 on base and a 462 slugging, 825 OPS which is funny because Ellie De La Cruz and him are the same age. You've heard about Noel V. Marte for a while. Ellie De La Cruz, on the other hand, is kind of a pop-up prospect from this year. And Ellie is a level above him already. Yeah, dude, I like they, – they got, they got some sneaky prospects or a uh, sneaky pipeline, kind of like they remind me of the, uh, the Pirates um, who acquired some – some good prospects to the draft, uh, international signees, and then also they some sneaky trade pieces that people like an Andy Rodriguez, uh, who I'm a big fan of. But dude, look up Christian uh, Christian and Carcione Strand, who they got from the Twins. <clears throat> um, I feel like I'm trying to remember. I feel like this kid. If I remember correctly, he was drafted, right? Drafted 34th round. Uh, drafted fourth round by the Twins. I feel like this kid, somebody came up to me at the booth. At the National. Somebody came up to me at the booth and said, do you know Christian Encarnacion? And then proceeded to tell me that their son played with him and he was trying to buy all his cards because he was a big fan and he really liked them. And then he proceeds to get traded three days later after I had that interaction, but I can't remember who told me that I'm trying to remember who told me that I can't, but uh, three days after that interaction, he gets traded to the reds in this deal for a Tyler mall, <clears throat> but he has huge power. 23 doubles, three triples, 20 home runs in 74 games in high A in the Midwest league. Yes. Yeah. That's why when I reacted the way I did yesterday to the Tyler mall trade, I was like, there's some sneaky. They got him and uh, him and Steer. That hey, they might not be Ellie De La Cruz, but the, hey, if they were like a quality major league player, everyday player somewhere, you know, or even like uh, in the rotation of you know outfielders or wh wherever they put them, that's a win for a trades like that. Yeah. Now but what's funny is Steer is a third baseman, first baseman, or third baseman, second baseman, shortstop. Um, Christian Encarnacion is a third baseman, first baseman. All the other guys are shortstops. Um, there's not enough room on the entire infield for all these guys. There's almost not enough the room for the entire, in the entire organization for these guys. They're going to do what the Rays do and draft, like just have a ton of shortstops because usually they're the most you know athletic on the mm -hmm. team. And, and then move them around. They're just going to. They're just going to move them all around, so then they're, they have really athletic kids everywhere. Yep. But race 101 right there. 
So Krishner Encarnacion strand, really incredible. He was obviously in the Tyler Maltiel, not the Luis Castillo. We didn't make it through the Luis Castillo yet, but that's okay. Uh, let's talk about Spencer Steer. Um, I saw some some reports that there was Twins fans that were happy he was gone, not because they didn't wow. believe in him, but because they didn't think he had a spot on the major league roster, and he's already in AAA, hitting 242, 345, 485 with an 830 OPS in 48 games. Um, if you don't have a spot on the roster, then yeah, get you use them to, you know, get a piece, which they did, and now he has a shot at making the Reds roster probably next year, maybe at September call up, <coughs> see what he does, and uh, him Jose Barrio will be the first wave of guys um, coming up from this little rebuild. And it will be it'll be fun to watch. Obviously, not all these guys are going to hit, and the last two pieces of the uh, the two pieces the two shortstops we didn't talk. Well, there's three shortstops we didn't talk about, but Noel V. Marte, you know, we talked about him briefly. Same age as Ellie De La Cruz, a year behind or, or a level behind. He has an 8.25 OPS. The star is kind of worn off a little bit on him um, as the year has gone on. From last year to this year, the prospect shine has, he's not as hot of a name as he used to be. And then Edwin Arroyo, this is as hot of a name as you can possibly get. Um, shortstop, second baseman, probably going to slide in at second base instead of shortstop, even if there wasn't any other shortstops in this system. And uh, as a as a switch hitter with good feel for the bat to ball and also some power uh i'm very excited about this guy and this is the type of guy that is going to shoot up prospect rankings and doesn't have any autos in uh so something about edwin arroyo so there's someone i follow on twitter which we're gonna have soon a deaning corners twitter if we haven't said that already probably about as soon as this gets released but anyways there's someone i follow that does strictly uh reds prospects and uh, pretty good, pretty knowledgeable. And he said, he goes, hey, I'm most excited for Edwin Arroyo out of all, the sh- like out of the three big shortstops that they have, which I thought was a pretty hot take. Um, I think, you know, you choose out of a hat and you could be happy with, with any three of them. Um, well, I feel like that's a hot take just from like the power that L.A. De La Cruz has is you can't replicate it. But it, but if that's what you like, if you're looking at more like an all around, you know, it just depends on what you like. That's the thing. Yeah, like yeah, O'Neal yeah, Cruz, yeah. To me is Ellie De La Cruz. Edwin Arroyo is like more of your live air Piguero type. Depends yeah. on what cookie you like. So, uh, but I just thought that was I just want like I thought that was interesting because that I saw that the last couple of days I was like, huh. Um, but it's gonna be fun watching all three. Huh? And then even Matt McLean, their first rounder last year. Who's a shortstop? Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, college, college. Did he go? Was it TCU or something like that? I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, I actually completely forgot about Matt McLean even existing. But that's yeah. another that's another name you can add to the list. And then of course the final shortstop, not named Matt McLean, Victor Acosta, shortstop, yeah. second base. Some real question marks about his hit tool right now. Um, hitting 243 in rookie ball, um, striking out 30 times in 32 games. Like there is, there is some question marks there. 
But he just again, just he did. He just turned 18 uh, 56 days ago. And again, it's it's one of those things like even if he doesn't, even if he just becomes a utility infielder that can take some walks, dude, getting that for uh, half a season of Brandon Drury, who you didn't want to have on your team anyways. I mean, not they didn't want to have him on a team in a bad way, but like you signed him to be able to trade him away. Um, getting that for half a season of Brandon Drury, I'll, t- <coughs> I'll take that all day long and just see what happens. Uh, maybe the hit tool never comes around, and he's just a guy with a good eye that can play defense, multiple defensive positions and doesn't grow into any power. You'll still get some MLB time with that profile. Yeah. I, so I love, love it. it. I would love to have a Victor Costa, honestly. Yeah. And like for me, for me, I had just a couple of years ago, I'd been like, yeah, I'd like to invest in this guy. Like when you're trying to get earlier and earlier, there are going to be some massive misses because you just don't know enough yet. But that's the that's the way the world works in Bowman prospecting right now. So like Victor Acosta, it was, hey, this guy has a good eye at the plate. Uh, we'll see what he can do um, elsewhere. And now you fast forward a year and you're like, ooh, the hit tool is questionable. The power might never develop. This is no longer a guy I would want to invest in from a prospect standpoint, from a card standpoint, but still a guy I'd be curious to have on my on my in my minor league system. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's it's both crazy the what what one year can do for a for a guy. And it's also crazy that we all fall into the hole. We got to get by earlier and earlier, and people are just absolutely throwing away money, just burning it, um, buying the riskiest of prospects, which would be a Victor Acosta, um, hoping for the next Juan Soto. So that's my TED Talk. Uh, Be smart with your money, everyone. Don't go burning it on guys that have not played stateside baseball yet that's what i would say i mean that's what i do you spend money on guys that haven't played stateside baseball yet i like the young yeah i like to prospect those young guys. yeah but it's so yeah. it's it, it it's so okay so here i guess what i'm talking from is like before when we aaron and i used to prospect i'd probably have with paying for school and all that stuff, I'd probably have an extra couple hundred dollars a summer to spend. <clears throat> and uh, having an extra couple hundred dollars to spend, not looking to burn it on guys like Victor Acosta. What if you bought a couple of his singles, Bowman Bowman first chrome singles? You don't have to go all in. If you get, let's say you throw $10 at a couple still, singles. Still not the type of profile I'd want to I'd wanna risk it on. I'd rather instead of buying instead of buying let's say they were two dollars a piece instead of buying five boom base I'd rather bought one LED cruise mojo Touche. you know because that's the type of profile where it's like well we already know he's massive we know he has power at least I'm gambling on that being a carrying trait. So, I don't know. That's where I'm at. As for the whole red system, it has really exploded. Uh, I am, I am curious to see what happens. 
from a cost standpoint, we're obviously too close to the trade deadline to really know what's going to happen. Having these, a lot of these guys go from the Mariners or the Padres um, to the Reds. You know, there's always some worry that guy goes to the Reds, the value goes down because it's the Cincinnati Reds and it's not a West Coast team or an East Coast team. But I will say, some of these guys, Edwin Arroyo makes it to Great American Ballpark. All bets are off. Well, even just down in the minor, like, dude, we talk about protection in the line, protection down in the minor league lineups. There's going to be, there's going to be some serious. They're going to be generating a ton of runs down in the minors with these guys all on the same team. That they might get a uh, a bump in in price of their cards just because they're going to, their stats are going to be wild if they're all together. Oh yeah, like it's like did you, see what the, did you see what the Brewers did the other day? I did not. The entire double A outfield of Joey Weimer, Sal Freelich, and Garrett Mitchell got called up to Triple A together. Dude, dude, that's happening more often than not now because the Tigers try to do that. The Orioles have been doing that. It's like a thing now to, to build and have them all go up because then it's like a they, they feel more comfortable going to level to level. Now, here's the thing. So all three of those guys got called up at the same time, and they got Estuary Ruiz in trade getting put to sent to AAA. So now you have four new outfielders for three spots, but you also had outfielders in AAA who now just don't have a job. <laughs> well, that, there's a lot of fillers. You know, you get a lot of guys that, you know, in beer I, leagues. And... I heard I heard a quote the other day that said, um, a guy was talking about minor leaguers, and he said, 70% of minor leaguers are just there because you need somebody to throw a ball to your actual prospects. Yep, and that's why you see a ton of them being released after the draft because when these guys get signed, they don't need them. That's why like there's instructs, instructs in the beginning of the year where we don't get stats from usually, and then it goes to rookie ball, you know, like in June. And mm -hmm. you need like where are those those are roster spots that are going to be filling places where the people that are filling them are literally just fillers. Yep, which is brutal. But also like if you came up to me and said Nate. You can play in AAA uh, and get to experience that for a few years, um, but you'll never make it to the majors. You're really not probably good enough to play in AAA, but we need a warm body. If you just told me that and said, hey, you get to play baseball, there's a lot of guys that would be like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they're, they're there now. And that's why they that's why they can pay them like almost nothing because, you know, obviously – People will take that chance yep. to just keep playing but baseball. I thought it was I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool to call them all up and then hopefully, you know, one day I, I they're not all gonna be able to get called up to the major league club. Um unless, of course, you move Yelich to full time DH and uh have these three guys slot in the outfield, then you could. Um, but it is pretty fun. It's really fun because like Joey Weimer was a fifth round pick, Cincinnati Bearcat, shout out. Uh, the other two guys were firsts. And it's actually it's really fun to actually watch them progress and actually perform. Dude, so much fun. That's that's why I like I tell people, hey, if you see like if someone does a if they're first getting into baseball cards and then they they see the whole process and let's say they pick a prospect 
that's why I like I bring up the Victor Acosta. Like, hey, he's young. Let's say you believe it, throw ten dollars in, but then now you're invested where you're gonna you're gonna look at his stats every so often and you're invested in them when they make it, let's say they get to triple A major, like it's a different feeling. You're like, man, I remember buying him when he was in stateside, like Wander Franco. I know he was a quick quick minor league trip, but he was the same way where you just it's it's different once you feel the see the you live the full progression of a prospect, you get you get hooked and that's and then you start doing it over and over and you learn every every different like every time different things. Yep. So I agree. You don't have to go out and buy the big hundred dollar plus card, thousand dollar plus card to get into baseball prospecting. Get in early, even if it's one, two, maybe five Bowman Chrome first. Check out grade one. Check out checkoutmycards.com. If you're looking yes. to get in, if you're looking to get in cheap. Uh, you can go on there, find some Bowman Chrome cards. Don't have to have them shipped to you, stored in your in your account. And uh, easy way to get into some cheap Bowman Chrome cards without having to pay ridiculous taxes and fees and and stuff. Yeah, you can get them for under a dollar. Like I go on there all the time. If it's a player that, like, oh, these are seventy five cents. Let me get ten of these and just just so I have them. Yep, I like it. All right, Jimbo. With that. Let's cut this off before an hour. Um, yeah, you're right. And uh, this was part two. This was part two of our trade deadline coverage. This will be the final part. Uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed today's second part. Um, Jimbo, any last words? Nope, just enjoy. I guess you'll be hearing this Monday, but we will be having a Twitter, Dean Corners Twitter soon. So keep an eye out for that. And I will be making sure to, about different prospects that are out there, uh, like the early on ones, just so you know, we can do more volume on there. With that, we are uh, going to say goodbye, everyone. Enjoy your Tuesday or Monday or whatever day this comes out, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday. Oops.